We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Coachable Podcast. Around here, we believe that life is the ultimate training ground for finding out what you are truly made of. I'm your host, Tori Gordon, high performance coach and breathwork facilitator. And each week, I share intimate conversations and inspirational stories from some of the world's most successful people. It's time to stop standing on the sidelines of your life and get your head and your heart back in the game. So take a seat, grab a pen, because you're going to want to take notes as I pull back the curtain on the tools, resources, and inspiration that you need to unlock your inner champion. What's up? Welcome back to the show. I am so glad that you're here for another episode of the Coachable Podcast. If you're listening to us on Apple or Spotify, thank you. Thanks for for finding us and choosing to spend some time. Um, I promise this episode is... um, going to really give you some insight into your brain, into your mind and how it operates and why it works the way that it does and how you can start to shift it because I'm joined by the incredible Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a cognitive neuroscientist, communication pathologist, and um, best-selling author of the book, Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess. She's written over 18 books. And today she really helps us to unpack the differences in the things like your brain and your mind. Did you know that they're two different things? They're not the same. What are the differences? We go into that as well as understanding the breakdown of your conscious, subconscious, and non-conscious mind. Now, these are very different than what we think of as the unconscious, and she's going to help us understand and unpack what they are, how we can use them in order to start reprogramming our brain for success and well-being. This is an episode that you're definitely going to want to take notes on and be very present for because there's we get into the science of understanding our mind and our mindset and why we think act and feel the way that we do. It's super powerful. Before we jump in, I want to say thank you to our sponsor Organifi. If you are like me and you have a busy schedule, I just got back from speaking at a conference in Philadelphia, which is so fantastic, but I was so busy. You guys, I got up at 4 a.m., left the house at 5 to catch a 6 a.m. flight, was in traveling all day, didn't go to bed till midnight the next night and then woke up, spoke, and was on a flight back to California. So I have a busy schedule and 
Organifi makes it super, super easy for me to make sure that I'm getting all the nutrients that I need on the go. So if you're like me and if you don't have the time to get fresh juices, you know, make sure you're eating all your vegetables or create and build a, a perfect healthy salad, like you might not even like the taste of leafy dark greens that are really good for us. Uh, then you might want to check out Organifi because if you spend a lot of time on the road or eating fast food um, or even just packaged foods because it's convenient, then Organifi might be the perfect solution for you. It has been for me, especially um, as I've been traveling on this road trip over the last few months, because we all know a lack of nutrition can lead to low energy and bad moods and all sorts of long-term issues. And that's why Organifi makes it super easy to fill your life with more nutrition and all they do is use all you have to do is use your uh, the delicious superfood blends they make it really really easy you just scoop it into your water stir it and you've got a litany of adaptogens fruits vegetables medicinal mushrooms and so much more um, if you go to organifi.com slash tori gordon and you use the code tori20 at checkout you'll get 20 percent off your order and uh, you definitely want to check out uh, organifi if you're looking for something to make sure that you're getting all the nutrition and nutrients you need in your diet it's organifi.com slash tori gordon and use code tori at checkout now without further ado let's jump into this week's episode with dr caroline leaf Hello, and welcome back to the Coachable Podcast, you guys. It is a very special day because I am joined in studio by Dr. Caroline Leaf, who is a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist. This is such a treat. Thank you so much for being here, uh, Caroline. I'm very excited for this opportunity and, and the opportunity to just to dive into all things mind and brain and, and pick your brain for a little bit. I love that. Thank you, Tori. It's so nice to be to, to meet you finally. Finally yeah. got this together. So we've been trying to get to each other for a while. So it's great. So thank you so much. Sure. Happy to do it. Well, I knew after um, coming in contact with your work a couple of years ago and, and reading your book, I just knew my audience would get so much from a conversation with you. So I would love to start by just asking you to sort of define for folks what a communication pathologist and cognitive neuroscientist is. What do you do exactly? Well, basically, a communication pathologist is we trained in the neuroscience of how the mind and brain work and trained to, as a therapist, trained to look at people's, how their communication, their behavior, et cetera, um, in terms of traumatic brain injury and dementias and learning disabilities and things like chronic traumatic encephalopathy, and then tracking back to what's going on inside the brain and the body, and then helping a person to, you know, to move forward from there. So I went further and got into very deeply into the mind-brain-body connection. I did master's and PhD in that area and specialized with things like traumatic brain injury and so on. So I got into the clinical neuroscience side of things as well. And in the early days, back in the 80s when I first started, um, neuroscience was very, very new then. It was more sort of a neurological focus. So, And over the years, I still do clinical research, and I don't practice anymore. I practice for 25 years now what I do is the clinical trials and research and put everything into the books and the apps and try and help people with mind management, just the yeah. how we use our mind to drive our brain and our body. Well, it's so necessary because I think oftentimes 
this valuable information can get lost in translation from the academic world into just regular people trying to understand themselves and their patterns and why they're getting certain results. And so I see you yeah. so much as a bridge for people to understand themselves more deeply and fully. And that's been a, a journey that I've personally been on over the last few years of just asking myself, like, who am I? Why are these things, why am I struggling in certain areas? How do I get different results? And that's why people come to the show. It's all about being coachable and being willing to learn how to do something Perfect. new, even if it's something as fundamental and primary as thinking and feeling. And so I'd love for you just to give us an idea and a breakdown of these two huge concepts that for a lot of us are completely intertwined and maybe we think they're the same thing, which is our brain and our mind. What is the difference? Is there a difference? And how can we start to understand that and unpack that a little bit? Such a good question. And the question that's created so much scientific debate and so much philosophical debate for centuries. But if you track back the sort of historical side you know, over thousands of years, there's always been a distinction between mind and then the physical brain and body. And then there was periods in history where you got all these things, these things called dualism. And then there was a, a, a sort of anti, there's a, an anti-dualism where mind and brain were seen as one. And we kind of in that era now where there's two schools of thought. There have always been, but the, the, the more the quite dominant outspoken school of thought is that the mind and the brain are the same thing. And this, I've watched this trajectory over the last 40 years. So just as short a time ago, 35 years, 40 years ago, we spoke about the mind and the brain as being separate. And the mind could change, but the brain couldn't. That's what really what, what was believed right up until now we know the brain can also change. But the mind and brain were seen as separate. But as we learned more about the brain and neuroscience advanced, we became neuroreductionistic. So now the general messaging to the population is one of mind and brain are the same thing. So when you talk about mind, people think you're talking about brain, but actually they're not the same thing at all. There is what we call a scientific dualism, where the mind is as physical as the brain, but it's a different type of physicality. So here's a, a model of a brain. For those of you that are listening, I'm holding up a, a model of the human brain. And as we can see this model, we know it's in our head, the brain, and we, you and I can see each other physically, and whoever's watching us, we, the physical is very obvious. What's not that obvious is like mine. I mean, what is it? It seems like such an intangible concept. So to give you a way of like a sort of orientation, um, think of gravity. You and I are both sitting. We're not floating because of gravity. Now, we can't see the gravity. We can't see the gravitational field, but we know they're there because of the evidence, which is us not floating. Right. So if I take, take that concept, the mind, there's evidence of mind because of the fact that you and I can talk. We can listen to each other. People are listening to this conversation. You wake up in the morning and you experience life. You are thinking, feeling, and choosing all day long in response to the experiences of life. Hmm. And that is what mind is. Mind is us in our aliveness, our humanness, being able to think, feel, and choose through all the experiences of life. The mind is like gravitational fields. It can be seen, you, you can understand it through things like quantum physics, electromagnetic fields, etc. There is a field around us and through us at the moment called the biofield. And when you're dead, it's not there anymore. So there's mm -hmm. evidence of when someone's dead versus alive, there is something extra. There is this extra field. And obviously, when you're dead, you're not doing anything. When you're alive, you're communicating. You're living. You're mm -hmm. alive. Also, as you're listening to me now, you are building somewhere between 800 and a thousand and a million new cells every second, which is driven by your mind. 
to where you're dead, you can't do that. When you're dead, your brain disintegrates. So the mind is your literally this driving life force of energy that enables you as a human to experience life through thinking, feeling, and choosing. But your mind needs another type of physicality, which is the brain, to put the experience into and then it goes into the experiences of life, like this conversation, going into the brain as electrochemical fields and gravitational forces. So we see all the brain is responding on all these levels neurochemically. And then this then results in um, like the plane lands and you get a genetic response and the experience is built structurally into the brain as a thing that looks like a tree, a thought. So all the branches are the memories, the data. So everything I'm saying are the little branches clustering into a thought on mind, brain, or mental health, or whatever you've, however you've titled this podcast. So in summary, the mind is this um, energetic field force that, in, that, in, that is our thinking, feeling, and choosing. And the mind has to have the brain because the mind puts the experience in the brain as a structural change. So the brain is the physical part that is, is and the thought becomes, the mind makes the experience into a physical thought in the brain. Experience, mind, in the brain, product. And from this thought, we then speak and do and feel and have perspectives and have body sensations, etc. Because as soon as this is in the brain, it sends a message to every cell of the body, which then builds a, replica, a basically a duplicate memory of the of the tree in the brain. And so that then that's why we feel memory in our body as well. So it, and which all coalesces into the and in the mind brain body all works together, and you are you in life, experiencing life. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, I don't know if it makes sense if you want to ask some questions around that or if it kind of makes sense. Yeah, no, I think this is such a, a powerful thing just to start with is like the mind is what animates the brain. That's the fa- the powerful force that is animating our body. I, you know, I unfortunately, but uh, have been with multiple people who have been dead Um in my family after they've passed, I've been with their body and it was so prevalent that their body was not animated with a life force energy anymore. And it makes so much sense that, that the brain being the physicality and the, 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 the structure um, in the container, if you will, of the mind. Um, but the mind is, is more, <clears throat> and it seems to be so much more elusive for people. Like, what is it? And how does, you know, thinking that yeah. they're the same thing, but they're not. And then how, our thought forms or our thoughts create these structures within the brain um, that then manifest in the body and show up in the body. Because I think it's interesting, you know, talking about this today, as opposed to if we were having this conversation, you know, two decades ago, I think Western medicine and science has, has a lot of times seen the brain and body separately. Like I know like psychologists and psychiatrists, we looked at the brain and the mind, right? And and the church looked at the spirit or the soul. And then, you know, Western medicine doctors were looking at the body and you're looking at all of them um, together. Yeah. And that's where, that's where, there's actually not just, it's not even a new thing. It's, it's, there's 150 years of research in this field Mm -hmm. and there's thousands of years of, of unofficial, well, it's research, but it's not science, the scientific method right. in this field. This is not something new, but we got into a pattern of talking more about the physical over the last 40 years mm-hmm. because of the advances in medicine and technology, which have been so amazing. So we got so caught up in the physicality of things that we've thought, well, and, 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 and scientists will say things like, 
thoughts are coming from the brain and free will is an illusion. And and then I always say, when I have these kind of discussions with these sort of scientists, I say, hey, listen, what was your research? And then they'll tell me something like, well, we got a group of people together and they had to do X, Y, and Z activity and they did fMRI scans and we did this. So I said, okay, so the people were alive. They did something. They responded to an experience. And then you measured the response. I said, no, 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 the brain produced it. I said, no, it couldn't have because you've got the people to do things and then you measure the response. You didn't just take a dead person and stick them in. The, you know, and if you say free will is an illusion, then you've got to ask the question, well, you made the decision to say that anyway. So you actually shoot yourself in the foot because you chose to say, you, you chose to even debate the issue. Mm-hmm. That shows right. you that the Free was not a illusion, and you just have to look at. I mean, you just have to look at children. Look at animals. I've got two puppies. They're totally different. So we can right. even talk around animals making different choices. So you know, right. these are the concepts that are nice to package scientifically. Say that the brain produces the mind, mm-hmm. because you can't see. Like that's why I always use the example of gravity. I can't see gravity, but you're not going to argue with me about gravity because we know I'm not floating, nor are you. Right. Same thing. You, you know, if you look at it from if you take that kind of lens, then it looks different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you talk about the power of choice, and I think that's really uh, something that I tie in and, and to speak a, a lot about in my work is like what makes us so powerful in our ability to change our outcomes, our results, or create the future that we want to see for ourselves is our ability to make intentional conscious choices. And I remember for the first time cognitively, consciously remembering um, a time where it became prevalent to me. I became aware of the fact that I had a choice in the matter. And I've talked a lot about this on my show, but when my sister was diagnosed with leukemia, my dad sat us down as a family and he was kind of like the coach in the moment. He huddled us all around and he was like, team, we've got two choices, hope or despair. We can Mm -hmm. choose to see our experience this way or we can choose to see it this way. We can be defeated or we can choose to tell a different story, right? And it was the first time I ever remember thinking, oh, I get to decide like how I want to feel about this. I get to decide how I'm going to perceive this situation. And it gave me so much power. And and so obviously bringing awareness to our thoughts and what we are creating is so so important in a lot of, of what my audience is, is trying to learn how to do so that they can create a new experience for themselves. I'd love for you to explain the difference between a couple of different things, because I think this is going to be really important for those that are listening. The difference between the conscious mind, our subconscious mind, and what you call the non-conscious which m- might have been misinterpreted as the unconscious mind. What are th- what are they? How are they different? Because I know that our audience is aware of how much, especially in the first seven years of life, our subconscious is just being programmed, downloading all of this information, learning about the world, learning about the game of life, how to play it, what are the rules, is it safe? And then, and that's our our brain, our structural brain is actually like really getting all of that hardwiring in there. And then that plays out in our adult life over and over and over again. And so many of us struggle with how do I reprogram that now? But I think it starts with understanding the differences in our subconscious, our conscious and our, our non-conscious. Can you walk us through that? It's, it's really an important place to start. And, and I'm also super impressed that you actually picked that up, um, the differences, because it's really, it, it's, it's an area that's so confused. 
the literature out there and just hearing people speak on social media, unconscious is used all the time. Now, the unconscious, mm-hmm. it's not what your mind is not. The unconscious is if you're asleep or you're under anesthesia, you'll be knocked out by a baseball bat or something. So it doesn't mean your brain's not active. It's still active, very, very active, but there's a part of it that has gone to sleep. That's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about now. That is a basically a state that your brain gets put into, unconscious. The non-conscious mind is the biggest part of who you are. It's the most intelligent part of who you are. It operates 24-7. It operates at quantum speeds of 10 to the 27, which is faster than 400 billion actions per second. It operates in the present, past, and future. And it's where every experience that you've ever had from a certain point, obviously late term in the womb, when your your brain is actually able to process experiences, to um, the age that you're at now. Every single experience, and we have on average about 8,000 experiences a day. That's very average. Some people have less, some people have more, but we, we take an average. That is has been built by the non-conscious mind with the conscious mind into the brain. But 95% of what has been wired in or coded into the brain and the body and the mind, because it goes in three places, it also goes into the mind, mind, brain, and body, is um, 95% is basically driven by the the non-conscious, you're not consciously aware of the experience. So it's happening by osmosis, not osmosis, but I mean it's happening without you being aware of it. By the Mm -hmm. pure virtue of being human and alive, every experience, your nurturing, the what your parents are going through, what you hear at school, the system, belief systems you grew up in, the environment, the geographical, the socioeconomic, the political, all of that is wiring into you. And as you said, that is playing out into our future. What isn't correct psychologically and with the research, what we now know is to be true, is that it doesn't stop at seven and it's not fixed at five or seven. So whatever's okay. happened in childhood does not mean that the rest of your life's a mess. Okay. And it does not mean that, okay, that's it for the rest of your life. Right. What happens is that life is built into us and some of it's negative. And that negativity has an impact. And when we learn how to tune into what the what the impact is, and I'll explain that now with the mind, different levels of mind, then what we can do is we can actually change that. So you can never change your story of what's happened in childhood, adolescence, early adulthood, and whatever stage of your life, because your story's happened. But what you can do is change what it looks like inside of you, and that therefore you can change how it plays out into the future. So structurally, you can change the coding, you can edit the code, and you in your brain and your body, and you'll still always remember your story, but you take the sting and the pain out of your story. So you physically change what that structural network looks like, mm-hmm. and it transitions over to something that is something you can live with. And part of that process is being comfortable with the uncomfortable, being comfortable with not knowing reasons why people did what they did to you, because sure. they're an expert on their own experience and their own pain, whatever. We spend way too much time ignoring the cause, and then once we do face the cause, we then try and spend a lot of we spend a lot of time trying to find why did someone do that, and that's those two areas that are very that are not going to create sustainable change. We have to understand that the way we show up is the impact of life, and there's a reason why we show up like that. And we have to find be very systematic, very logical. The way that our brain, mind, body is structured, the way that our neurons work, the way that our glial cells work, the way that the quantum energy works through the brain, all of it. The way the blood flows, the way all of it is very organized, very systematic. And so as logical, systematic human beings, we have to understand that 
way we're showing up is because of something. But the because of, we won't necessarily know the why behind that. You may sometimes, you may find we're sure. able to say, okay, well, and go back and have a conversation with a person and sort things out. But that's not going to happen most of the time. Mm-hmm. So essentially then what we, what we are what we are doing, what we are doing as humans with this mind thing, is that our non-conscious mind is, by virtue, as I said, of being human, is putting all this, you know, it's taking all this stuff and building these networks. Some of them, sorry, I'm something over there. Some of it's going to be healthy. I'm holding up a healthy green tree. Some of it's going to be very toxic. The reason I'm saying trees is, like I said earlier, thoughts grow into the brain in these tree-like structures, with all the little branches being the memories. So memories cluster together into thoughts. So a whole, one thought will have lots of memories. This is healthy, mm-hmm. this is toxic. So this, this, in, our, in any one day, most of it hopefully will be good stuff, but there are going to be certain things that happen in the day that are going to be toxic. Then there's certain things that happen at periods of our life consistently and became established patterns. And those are what we would call the traumas. And some are very complex, that happened over long periods of time and were very traumatic. And on a scale of 1 to 10 would be the 8, 9, 10, and that would be like rape, abuse, trauma, uh, 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 um, war trauma, that kind of stuff. And then one two, on the scale of 1, 2, 3, that would maybe be a, an argument with a family member that you resolve quickly or a horrible comment on social media that attacks your identity, but you can get mm-hmm. through it. So not all of those are equal, and they need to be, you know, the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5 level is the day-to-day struggles of life that we can get through mm-hmm. if you constantly manage your mind. We can get through those pretty quickly in the moment. The big stuff from 8, 9, 10, that level, that's the established traumas that take a little bit longer to do the work of deconstructing and reconstructing. And those, those um, doing the work, is, um, which is a common term used these days in cross-social media, etc., is works in cycles of 63 days. So we're not going to heal things in one day or 21. It's going to take probably multiple cycles. So I've had some patients who've had extreme trauma and have taken done it's taken two years, twelve cycles of sixty three days. But the point is you to rewire your brain, you need to go through very systematic processes daily for certain amounts of time over certain amounts over certain days and, and the period is, is cycles of sixty three days. Otherwise your brain won't rewire. You want mm-hmm. these things that that are basically the experience. The root is the origin story. The branch is how you the, how you processed it and I mean this is the trunk. And this, this is your interpretation. This produces the signals. Now, all of this is in the non-conscious mind. And the mm-hmm. non-conscious mind, if you think of a podcast, if you just, those of you that are just listening and you've, you can even see it here, it's showing up. There's little, as I'm talking, you get little lines. That mm-hmm. visual is great to visualize. What is the mind memory? What does the mind thought look like? It looks like a bunch of little waves. In the brain, the thought looks like a tree, and in the body, it looks like a, it's a change in your actual structure of your cells, in the cytoskeleton of your cells. And so every experience goes in these three places, and they all work together. And your non-conscious mind is driving this process. It's the most intelligent part of you, and it's on your side. This is one of my favorite things to say. Your mind, brain, and body is on your side. So your non-conscious mind, this deep, intellect, this deep intellectual, spiritual, intuitive, insightful, wise part of you, is able to evaluate the impact of life and then make you aware of it. It is also able to pick out the messiness of our conscious mind. Our conscious mind is pretty messy, and I'll explain that in a moment. So the non-conscious is this incredible, powerful, present, past, future, all mixed into one, taking experiences and storing it in these little things and in the brain, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And then it scans, and it looks for anything that's, 
having a negative impact. And whatever's having a negative impact, we need to get rid of because it's actually, we need to, con- you can't get rid of anything. You can only reconstruct it. Because what's happened, happened. Your story's happened. It's never going to go away. But you have to manage it, okay? Sure. And so um, it scans these because the bigger these get, the more complex they are, the more intrusive they are. They affect your immune system. They affect your body. I've done research showing how your telomeres change, which are on your DNA, and how your you know, d- different biomarkers like homocysteine and ACTH and QEEG, which is the technology I use to look in the brain, how it can affect your brain function, etc. Um, and eventually, over time, damages your brain. And mm-hmm. damages your body and increases vulnerability to disease by 35 to 98 percent. So if we can learn to listen to the impact, we can actually change those numbers. So I've shown that within a nine-week period, you can improve your biological health by up to 35 years, which is phenomenal, just by mind management, not drugs, not anything, just mind management. I've shown that you can get anxiety and depression under control by 81, um, up to 81 percent by managing mm-hmm. your mind, because depression and anxiety are not diseases; they are right. signals. One Four group, these four groups of signals, and depression and anxiety fall into the emotional group. They're not illnesses. If you feel bad, it's not a. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with your brain or you, or you have a mental illness. It just means you are going through life, and either sure. it's on the scale of one to ten. So the non-conscious mind is doing all this incredible work, and as it finds something that is impacting how you function and is putting you into a vulnerable state, it will gather that data and it will send a message to through its complex stages, but eventually it goes through the subconscious. So non, mm-hmm. non-conscious, subconscious, conscious. So think of three levels. Your non-conscious right. is massive infinite space. Then you've got a little bridge that kind of funnels into this little bridge, which is the subconscious. And then above that is the conscious, which is limited. Conscious operates at 2,000 actions per second or fast, a little bit faster sometimes, but it's pretty slow in comparison to the non-conscious. The non-conscious mm-hmm. is awake 24-7, always working, always on your side, always trying to help you. And the subconscious is only awake when you're awake. So when you're asleep none, and when you're awake, non-conscious is always operating. Conscious is only working when you're awake. Subconscious only working when you're awake. Subconscious is the bridge. So as I'm speaking now, things are popping into your mind from the non-conscious through the subconscious into the conscious mind as signals to help you to process what I'm saying. So you're mm-hmm. relating it to your current experience. So your non-conscious, therefore, if it's a toxic issue, one of the signals that will send through the subconscious mind is something like depression or anxiety or frustration or whatever. These are not, no illness, emotion is an illness and no emotion's bad and no emotion should be suppressed because they are incredible messengers and they're one of four signals. They never live alone. They live connected to three partners. They have three partners and those all four are, have invisible ties to its origin, which is the thought which has an origin, a source, which is the, the, the root system. So the non-conscious sends signals through the subconscious into the conscious mind. So depression, for example, that's an emotion. It's one of four signals, not an illness. It's a warning signal. Embrace it. The minute you embrace it and say, okay, I took okay to be messy. I'm feeling depressed. You start drawing this out of the, con- the thought that it's attached to. Your non-conscious starts then sending it through to the conscious mind. The minute that this, you're conscious of something, even if you can't see it all yet, it becomes from neuroscience, we know that the protein bonds start getting weaker. This is a physical structure in your brain made of proteins. So if it's weaker mm-hmm. through awareness, I can change it, okay? This is what most people don't actually even realize, okay? So now the first signal, depression, is starting to bring this up. Then my next signal would be what I'm saying, doing maybe isolation, you know, withdrawing, right. 
um, irritable, whatever. So that's some behaviors. Then bodily sensations, maybe gut issues. Then right. those final introspective, life sucks. So you've gathered awareness of these four signals. That's pulled us up. You still can't really see it, but the four signals you will, will are attached to this. So it will draw you to, oh, okay, I'm feeling this is, I'm gathering awareness of this. There's something going on in my relationships. There's some toxicity that's persistent in my relationships. It's messing up my relationships. So there's this vague idea of the name of the thought because those threads of the warning signals of which depression was one is drawn to that. So as you now consciously mm -hmm. and deliberately pay attention with your conscious mind, and this is very systematic, very organized, you then can start seeing, okay, well, what's going on here? How am I seeing myself? Mm -hmm. What am I thinking, feeling, and choosing about myself, my life, my relationships? So you're looking under the magnifying glass, you're reflecting on how you, right. the details of how you're showing up. So those four signals are attached to details, data, memories. And then you say, well, how did I get there? How did I process? How did I get to this point? There's an origin. So you track down. Mm -hmm. and, the, and then you get there and you will actually, that whole process has now weakened this. And according to the law of physics, energy is never lost. It's transferred. So mm -hmm. as I deconstruct this, I'm starting to build a little replacement thought. So this is getting weaker and weaker, and I'm building a replacement thought. Now, this is called, what I've just described, this process is called a neurocycle. It's a systematic way of driving the neuroplasticity of your brain with your mind. Your mind does the work. So it's a systematic, ordered mind management system that drives the neuroplasticity of your brain, therefore changing right down to the level of your DNA of every mm -hmm. cell of your body. And then that then manifests as changes in your behaviors. That right. process takes time. So the neurocycle is a system of five different steps that are very scientific based on years of research and theories, etc. It's very simple. They're very simple, but they've got to be done properly. And most people, are, you know, everyone's doing a level of these. It's just it's the order, the way, the way you put them together, the timing, etc. Mm -hmm. so what we see is that if you do this from the research, if you do this systematically over six, over 21 days, that will weaken this to the point where you have a little replacement thought. If you stop here, a reconceptualized thought, this could be triggered back into being big again. So to keep this under control and to weaken it even more, you need to spend another 42 days to take you to 63 days. So we need a minimum of three cycles of 21. The body heals in cycles of 21. The mind heals in cycles of 21. Mm. The brain wires in cycles of 21. We need a minimum of three groups of our non-conscious mind sending signals, our conscious mind paying attention, and working very deliberately, um, all the three levels of mind together in a very systematic way for about 15 to 45 minutes daily. And as you do that over time, but by day 21, you've got this. If you do it for another additional 42 days, for only five minutes a day, you will grow it into this. And it's only when, when you do this now, this is going to dominate that. So there's just a tiny hint of, I know my story, but this is how I now want to change it and reconceptualize it to playing out in my life. And what I've described mm -hmm. is the, the different levels of mind all working together very systematically to deal with right. traumatic, you know, it, it, that's heavy. You, the 63-day the cycles work with heavy with anything from the 5 to 10 range of trauma mm -hmm. and the more complex cycles you'll need. So one cycle is not necessarily going to fix the problem. Um, right. One neurocycle in one day is definitely not going to fix the problem. 
So that's patron. But then there's the in-the-moment stuff. Like let's say you, like yesterday I was late for that for a very important research meeting. Like my whole team's waiting. We had a seven-hour meeting set up. It was a long meeting. Got stuck at the dentist. Got stuck at the airport. And I was worked up and I was anxious. And so I did a neurocycle very quickly. In the moment, I went through the five steps to calm my neurophysiology down, get my creativity back so I could manage the situation, get the, the team going, get there. Even though I was late, the team was still... In other words, you can use it in the moment as well. So it's got benefits on the whole thing is that we've got to manage our mind. So what I'm, the neurocycle is the system of management of the non-conscious, subconscious, and conscious mind. So it's a long answer, but it kind of put it all together. No, it does because it's like taking your mind to the gym, sort of. It's you know, it's it's a practice exactly. of repetition. Absolutely, you've got to do like. it. Yeah, and systematically, because people think habits form in 21 days, and that's a myth. That was a myth promulgated from research, some it's a neurosurgeon, as a, sorry, a, phys, a plastic surgeon in the 60s, and mm-hmm. discovered that that you know, the pa- their patients were healing um, in three week cycles. But that's and then it got translated into this myth of habits form in 21 days. But they don't. A habit means that you've got an established pattern. This is a habit. This is not a habit. This is a new right. And if you stop here, you will get totally frustrated, which happens so much when people are doing work on themselves or in therapy and mm-hmm. they need to be coached. They're like, I've done, I've done positive affirmations for a couple days, or I looked at yeah. myself in the mirror and said, you're beautiful. Like a couple days, why am I not feeling better? <laughs> it's so dominating and you can't just pretend, you can't just throw that on top. You have to do the deconstruction, reconstruction, reconcept. It's embrace, process, reconceptualize over time. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's to, to, to break the established patterns. Yeah. So it's it's this process of turning your awareness, your focus, your ability to, it's like a, a light, like a, a spotlight onto your sensations, your feelings, your thoughts, and then onto, okay, what is that thought? What is it connected to? And what is the origin story? What was the event or the thing that happened where this story sort of was birthed out of and that has been growing ever since? And that process is, you know, the key to us creating futures that don't look like our past. And so how, how can people learn that process? Because it sounds like this is the thing that people need to understand. I, I just interviewed um, a woman named Emily Fletcher who um, started something called Ziva Meditation. Yes, I know. I've interviewed her. She's interviewed me. Yeah. Yeah, she's fantastic. And she talks about if we could just get people to uh, sort of go through her process similar. It's like every day, like bef- as if brushing your teeth, you don't leave the house before you brush your teeth. If you right. don't leave the house before you take your mind to the gym in meditation or through this process your mind is doing the meditation it's doing the teeth it's doing the everything if you don't mind's not trained you're not going to do any of those anyway so yeah you have to do it exactly yeah yeah it just needs to be that we just have to get to a point where it's it's that ingrained in who we are it's of course i manage my mind it's how i get through my day of course i brush my teeth of course i you know take a shower in the morning it's part of 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 who i am and how i operate in the world at my best so how do people learn what those five stages are how to go through a neurocycle i know you have something called the neurocycle app can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can um, get involved and learn this process of taking them through reprogramming their mind absolutely so what i've done is taken all my years of therapy and 
research and put it into simple forms. I've got the book, so that cleaning up the mental mess is the book where it describes the process. I've got lots of other books too, but this is the most recent. And then the NeuroCycle apps are platform that you can obviously get on Google and iTunes. Um, it's basically me giving you, walking you through that process. I take you through the 63 days so that there's like a big block over here. That's the main program that walks you through the 63 days, audio, visual, etc. And then there's the in the moment stuff. So down the bottom, there's the little the two exercise, the two little buttons there take you through a whole lot of in the moment exercises. The platform is growing. We're putting in all kinds of things. There'll be stuff for kids. I'm writing a book at the moment for mental health for children. We'll be, we'll be building extra programs in the brain building, all kinds of so all the things we haven't even touched on that I talk about in the book. We have got a lot already in the app. But the app's like me giving you therapy. So it's a great way you can press play while you're getting ready in the morning, cleaning your teeth. You know, you can mm -hmm. use uh, Emily's meditation because I talk about brain prep. That's and that you could that brain prep is things like meditation. So you can use Emily's meditation or whichever, whatever you want. And then you go through the neurocycle. And by the time you've got your makeup on, you're out the door. And you've basically done your, you know, you've done a really great mind work which sets you up for the day. Wow. So this is, you know, you guys, you're making therapy basically accessible to so to the public, which is what we need. We need resources like this to be able to deal with the suffering and the stress and the anxiety that so many people are facing. And I just, I am so grateful that you have dedicated your life to this work and to helping to get uh, people like me and our audience the resources that we need so that we can be successful and at peace and enjoy life. Because I really believe that, you know, it's meant to be enjoyed. And so often we are playing uh, life and the game of life in a way that's just, you know, it's not that fun for so many people. And it's like, if you don't know the rules of a game, it's not very fun to play. And you're giving us a new rule book. Oh, that, thank you. Well, thank you for saying that. And it's, it's so important because we also live in a toxic positivity environment where we're supposed to think, we mm -hmm. think emotions are bad and being almost like we've been, we've been put in this position where as soon as anyone has a negative emotion, they think there's something wrong with them. When they aren't, that's the normal part of growing up as a child and adolescent and adults. And yes, there's the big stuff too, but you know you can't do it. We, be in an environment where we just told any emotions bad, and that's not the truth. You know, we, we've got emotions are not illnesses. We are humans, and increased anxiety over the pandemic is a very normal, realistic response to an adverse circumstance. If people weren't depressed, I'd be concerned. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so we be making something. It's not such a. It's not a mental health pandemic. It is a mismanagement of mind. That's the real issue. You've got to reteach people how to manage their minds. So thank you for what you do because yeah. it's all working together to get people out there managing their mind, which is so important. Yeah. Yeah. That's what the show is about, you guys. You know we're here to give you the tools, resources, experiences, and opportunities to shift your mind, your mentality, your mindset, and your life ultimately because your results are a byproduct of how you think and how you feel and how you choose to show up. Um, your power is your ability to choose. So thank you for choosing this podcast and being here with us. Caroline, thank you so much for um, your work. And we will make sure to um, connect you with everything in the show notes. If you want to get the NeuroCycle app, you want to uh, get a copy of Cleaning Up Your Mental Mess and also connect with uh, Caroline, where do you hang out online and where can they find you Absolutely. if they want to know more? Thank you. Also, my social media handle is Dr. Caroline Leaf and I'm on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, you know, the normal place, Twitter, everything. So lots of little videos and things to help people with the day-to-day -day stuff. Our webpage is drleaf.com. Absolutely. You guys go check it out. All of it's in the show notes. If you found this helpful, share it with a friend. 
you know, this could be the exact thing that they need to give them hope in a, a situation that maybe they're feeling super defeated in, that their future doesn't have to look like their past. Dr. Caroline, thank you so much for being here. You're welcome back anytime. Till next time, you guys, you. go be coachable. You guys, if you love this show, do me a favor. Please subscribe to the podcast. And if you feel called, leave a review. I would love to hear how the show is impacting you. But not only that, be a hero to somebody and share it with somebody in your life that needs to hear it. If you're getting value from it, I can guarantee it that someone else that you know would get value as well. And honestly, I wouldn't be here. If somebody didn't share with me a podcast episode a couple years ago that absolutely changed my life and set me on the course that I am today, and I'm eternally grateful for that person, and you can be that person to someone else. So share it, share the love, because you matter, they matter, and what you have to say matters. So I would love to hear if there's something in this episode that really stands out to you and is a ha aha moment, send me an email to media at torygordon.com. Let me know what it was that stuck out to you. What was your aha moment? Maybe where and around what time in the podcast that really spoke to you because my team and I love to hear that. We love to see and hear exactly what is speaking to your heart and it's helps us to serve you better. So please like, subscribe, share. You are helping this podcast continue to grow and get out to larger audiences that can help shape the world and bring more and light, love and healing to it. So thank you for your contribution and let's get on to the podcast.